How can we as healthcare practitioners move from just providing disease management to providing true healthcare? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast that helps you grow your practice and expand your skills as a practitioner. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. Today, we're going to talk about a topic in the adrenal series. We're going to talk about a topic uh, of how people can restore their energy and their focus and all the things that adrenal dysfunction takes away. And I have a special guest today with us. I have Dr. Isabella Wentz. She's a returning guest. She spoke to us during our thyroid theme, and we talked about Hashimoto's and how stressors on the body and various things can affect the thyroid and especially autoimmune. So Dr. Isabella is the author of three best-selling books on thyroid, and she has a new book on adrenal fatigue. And so we're going to dig in with her today about her adrenal restoration protocols and how she's used them with herself and with patients and clients that she's worked with to help people get back their energy, because that's what we're going to see most of the time in our offices. One of the main complaints is I have no energy. I have no brain function. So welcome back, Dr. Isabella. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Rita Marie. It's always great to see you. <laughs> it's always great to see you. And it turns out we live in the same city now. We're both in Austin. Yay. So we're actually going to get together and see each other next week after the book launches, right? So she has a new book that is hot off the press, The Adrenal Transformation Protocol. And I wanted to start with just talking about after three really good books and lots of programs and helping a lot of people with thyroid, what prompted you to almost in some people's minds shift gears to talk about adrenals? So it's not necessarily shifting gears, rather it's going on a little bit deeper into some of the root causes and triggers of Hashimoto's and thyroid issues. What I found in working with people with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, people with chronic fatigue, more than 90% of them have some degree of adrenal dysfunction. There's an intimate connection between our thyroid hormones and our stress hormones. Um, and sometimes people develop Hashimoto's after a significant time being stuck in that stressed out survival state. And then the other part of that too is people who maybe don't have a thyroid disorder or a thyroid diagnosis they oftentimes have some of these symptoms that look like thyroid symptoms to them. And their doctors will say, hey, you know, you don't have a thyroid disorder. You are probably just depressed. You know, you need to eat less. And, um, you know, I, I don't know why you're brain fogged. You're, you're probably just stressed out just like everybody else. And I mean, they're not wrong. We are stressed out, but they don't necessarily have a clear solution for that. And so over the years, people have reached out to me be it some clients or be it friends that are like, I have all the symptoms, but I don't have a thyroid condition. What can I do? And, and the answer is support the health of your stress and support your stress function, support your adrenals. Right. 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 And, you know, we know that for any autoimmune disease, Hashimoto is not excluded. 
one of the first things you have to do is remove the stressors, whether they're the mental, emotional stressors, the physiologic stressors, the environmental stressors, the food stressors. So that's a really a good place to start. I want to start with a little bit about from an adrenal perspective. We used to talk all the time about adrenal fatigue and Hans Selye and the three stages of adrenal fatigue. And that's kind of gone out of favor recently. And I just recently wrote a blog article about that, you know, about this is what he laid out. But now we're seeing that there's actually a little bit more to it. So how would you label it? Because people like labels. And, um, you know, what do you think about that whole move away from calling it adrenal fatigue? It's very interesting because when I first was struggling with my own health over 10 years ago and I figured out some lifestyle changes for Hashimoto, somebody brought up adrenal fatigue. And at the time, this was more of like an integrative doctor's condition where all the integrative doctors were saying, this is what you have. And then the conventional doctors were saying, this doesn't exist. But in the last few years, this kind of conversation has shifted and now some of the integrative folks are saying that adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. And I guess kind of like, you know, for anybody listening that might be struggling with these symptoms, your symptoms are very real, right? So if you have brain fog, fatigue, irritability, that kind of fight or flight stuckness, um, having trouble falling asleep, these things are very, very real. It's not necessarily like a disease or disorder. This is a very predictable way that the body responds to chronic stress, right? And so um, when we first when the the naturopathic doctors first coined the term adrenal fatigue, their theory was that the adrenals were either damaged or something was going on with them that they weren't able to produce enough of our stress hormones throughout the day at the right times. Now, we understand that's not necessarily the mechanism of action. The mechanism of action is more of a disconnect between the brain and our adrenals. And the scientifically correct term is hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis dysfunction. It's like, like, I mean, if I put that on the cover of my book, I don't think I could fit anything else. <laughs> so, right. um, and you have people go, huh, what the heck is she talking about? So I, I like the term adrenal dysfunction. I think it kind of ties the two yeah. conditions together. Cause like the adrenal fatigue is like, this is what happens. You have fatigue and it's based on those, those adrenal stress hormones. Um, and that kind of you know, I kind of laugh because some doctors will say adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. And then they call it HPA axis dysfunction. And 10 years ago, it was the same thing with like leaky gut doesn't exist, but intestinal permeability does. Hyperpermeability. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Right. Exactly. It's just another name for the same thing. Right. Yeah. But I think the adrenal dysfunction is what I've kind of used because it tends to be a little bit more of an updated and more accurate term, but I'll still talk about adrenal fatigue. And I mean, burnout like whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's important for us to kind of talk about the elephant of the room where some people are like, it doesn't exist, but it's like, yeah, but these are real symptoms. And then there is an underlying mechanism that has connection to our um, adrenals and our stress function. And the way that it's happening is the brain disconnection, right? Yeah. The brain disconnection and it affects the thyroid. So I've, I did a, a whole three-day workshop years ago on the HPAT axis, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal thyroid axis, which ties them all together. So it's all, you know, it, it's all in a name and, and medicine and you, you know, grew up in pharmacy, right? We are just so attached to our names, our diagnoses. We need to give people a diagnosis because when you give somebody a diagnosis, then in a 
typical Western medical approach, which is this for that, pharmacological approach, then we know, oh, this is their diagnosis. This is their label. This is one of the two or three things, you know, from a pharmaceutical perspective that we can do. But when we're talking more of an integrative approach, we're looking for imbalances. We're looking for dysfunctions. We're looking for why is someone having the particular presentation that they have and what can we correct underlying with all of this to help them to get back to normal, like feeling good again. And you've been through that yourself. You explained that on your previous episode. If you missed Dr. Isabella's previous episode, it was on Hashimoto's. And we did that, you know, just probably a few weeks back, a month, month and a half back, whatever. And really listen in to her story. And you can get it when you get the Adrenal Transformation Protocol as well. So I wanted to shift a little and talk about your promise of the book, because right there on the cover, nice blue background, it says a four-week plan to release stress symptoms and go from surviving to thriving. That sounds like a big promise in four weeks, especially with people who have been suffering for many years. And like you, you know, you had been suffering for a while, not knowing what the heck was going on and not getting anybody to be able to label it and diagnose it so then they could treat it. So tell us a little bit more about that plan and the protocols and how you can make such a bold promise. Sure. So these are new innovative protocols that I came up with in a in a trying time in my life when I was newly postpartum about five years ago, where um, I had been trained in adrenal protocols like functional integrative medicine ones that would utilize hormones and glandulars and you know adaptogens and lifestyle changes. And they typically would take about three months to two years to work. And I think they, you know, they helped me heal at a certain point in my life and they've helped lots of patients and clients of mine and readers of mine heal as well. So these are really great um, ways to do this. And then uh, when I was um, postpartum, I was nursing my son and when he was about eight months old, I was like, wow, he's, I thought babies were supposed to sleep at three months of age. I read this one book that said that would happen, <laughs> but apparently my son did not read that same book. Right. So he was, he didn't read the book, he didn't read the book right. <laughs> Should have read it to him. Darn it. Um, so, darn. He, darn. so he was still up at night and that meant that I was up at night caring for him. And then I kind of found myself like, oh, I remember this feeling like this. I'm feeling exhausted. I'm having brain fog. You know, I'm going to bed, but I'm not feeling refreshed. I think my adrenals are probably in a tough spot. And so I did a um, Dutch test, adrenal test on myself. And then my adrenals, my poor little adrenals were flatlined. So I was barely making any cortisol throughout the day. And I was like, okay, so I can't do hormones because I'm nursing. I tried some progesterone, but that impacted my milk supply. Then I was like, I can't really like you know, sleep for 12 hours a night because like, you know, <laughs> the, baby. the dream, ultimate dream postpartum yeah. to sleep for 12, to sleep for eight hours, to sleep for six hours even. I would if yeah. I could, right? Yeah, I wasn't accessible right? to exactly. me. And then the other thing I used to recommend for people was to quit coffee, right? Or to quit caffeine. And then I was like, you know, I had just started drinking caffeine. Like, and I had just started drinking coffee and I needed that. I was like, I, if I quit that, like, I, like this isn't going to help. Right. And then I, I'm going to like be, you know, even feeling worse. And so I was like, what can I do 
to really like help myself in this time period. And so I started kind of just going back through some additional healing modalities and other, other ways to really shift myself out of that survival mode. And then I got better in a few short weeks. And then I was like, oh, this has worked really, really well. And I actually feel, even though I'm not sleeping at night and, you know, I didn't quit the caffeine, but I feel so much healthier and I feel like my brain's awakened. I feel significantly better. Um, when I am sleeping, it is much more refreshing sleep. And, you know, I started like seeing more friends and just having the energy to keep up with things a little bit more. And they were like, wow, you don't look like you're not sleeping. Like you're, and you know, you don't sound like you're not sleeping because some of that, um, I was able to bring in support from other directions. And so then I was like, okay, I need to get this out into the world because there were some women that I worked with in the past that were like not willing to quit coffee or they quit coffee and they were like, now I, now I hate you and I'm still tired. Right. (laughs) Or, right. Or more tired. Yeah, They were still more tired and still waking up at night and having unrefreshed sleep. And then there were people who couldn't tolerate hormones or, you know, I've worked with a very sensitive population, so maybe they couldn't tolerate the glandulars. And so I started this program with a small group of people and I wanted it to be based with like, you don't need to do testing because I know, um, you know, you and I, we love testing. Like I have all kinds of tests that I do on myself. If any willing client, you know, on my, on my child and on my husband and any, any willing guinea pig, really, I like, I will do all kinds of functional tests with them, but they're not always accessible to, to individuals um, that are, you know, following my work and hoping to, to heal themselves. And so I wanted to create a program that was accessible and very focused on some lifestyle things. So you didn't have to worry about like how much hormone to dose and you can just feel better. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the program. The first group we, um, we had tremendous, amazing results where more than 80% of people would say like their fatigue got better after three to four weeks their um, sleep issues got better, anxiety got better. And then um, brain fog, 92% of people see big results within like the three to four weeks. So this is kind of the program that was set up. And over time, we've had about 3,500 people go through it. I forgot to mention, um, and I didn't even put this in the book, but about 80% of people who were overweight or wanted, were carrying extra weight, they ended up being able to lose, you know, five to 10 pounds throughout the the month of the program, not a hundred pounds, right? Not like anything crazy. Well, not no months, right? <laughs> but you know, getting right. getting more of a gradual, healthy weight loss to get them into a healthier, yeah. um, um, you know, healthier body, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, this sounds like a good. It sounds like something people are. It's going to appeal. So our listeners here are mostly health and wellness practitioners, doctors, nurses, health coaches, nutritionists, etc. And we see this all the time. And that that thing about, well, I don't have the money to test, or where our concern is, they spend a couple of thousand dollars on testing, and then they they don't have any more money to to um, pay us to, to actually help them interpret the tests and create a plan. So I love personally. I love plans that don't involve a lot of supplements, fancy stuff that's hard for people to find. And that's food and lifestyle base and doesn't really require the testing. So I like to reserve testing for when either someone's just not getting the results and they're doing their meditation and they're trying to get sleep and they're doing all the diet lifestyle things and it doesn't seem to be helping. We're looking for something deeper. 
I also like to do it when people have um, reached a plateau and they've gotten better, but not as much as we expected, right? Either it's a weight loss plateau or it's an energy plateau or brain fog plateau, whatever. So that's what I like to do testing. So I like it that you're not just relying, love the Dutch test. We have a whole episode. We're going to be talking about the Dutch test and all the different things you can learn from it. But, and it's, it's like generation three of adrenal dysfunction testing, as opposed to what we did in the past. But I love the concept. So give us a general idea, an overview of what kind of things you're including in this protocol. And obviously, you know, it's a thick book, you can see, <laughs> and it's got, you know, recipes and it's got all kinds of, you know, day by days and steps and all that. But, you know, just in, in the nuts and bolts overview. So for what, $25 is probably what this is on Amazon for a hardcover. You get this protocol versus having to spend thousands of dollars on a specific, you know, program and then on tests and all that. So it's well worth it. And, and everybody that's a practitioner should have something like this in their arsenal. So go ahead and give us an overview. Absolutely. So I really focus on safety signals. So kind of my theory with why we shift into that fight or flight survival um, stuckness of getting stuck in that sympathetic overdrive and we're in fight or flight and we're in this adrenal dysfunction so we have too many danger signals, right? And so the scale kind of shifts. So I'm focusing on sending the body, eliminating whatever danger signals we can. We can't always, right? So new moms can't always sleep, right? Sleep deprivation could be a danger signal. Um, and then we kind of shift that balance. And then we're adding some safety signals on top. So then we further shift them into that um, thriving state. And you can do that with, with eliminating some of those danger signals and adding some of these safety signals. So big danger signal for people that makes their bodies think that they're in a famine, right? Or that they're being, um, they're in a war could be something as simple as not eating enough food or not eating the right type of food, eating food that's inflammatory to us. So I really focus on, okay, how do we make your body feel like it's not enough famine right now, right? So we're getting plenty of good protein and fats and some micronutrients on board, nutrient-dense foods. We're eliminating the some, some of the common inflammatory foods. We're eating for blood sugar balance. And that's going to be a big safety signal to the body that's going to say food is plentiful. We do not have to be in that stress response, right? We don't have to slow down our metabolism. We can, we can let it go because like we don't have to like hold on to all the calories. Um, so that's one of the safety signals there. Another safety signal is going to be focused on, you know, for some people, they're over-exercising, right? And too much exercise can make you feel like you shifts your body into that survival state because you're like, you're being chased by a bear, right? And so we're like, okay, let's let's dial in the exercise depending on, um, we do an, I do an assessment that talks about like, what state are you in with your adrenals? Like if you're in a state where, your body is breaking itself down and it, you're in that dis, like, you know, low cortisol state, you probably need more stuff to build you up. Like you need more, um, you know, like weight bearing exercise, right? Like maybe more weightlifting or more stress reducing exercise like yoga. Some of the aerobic exercise, especially if you feel worse doing it, maybe don't do as much right now. Maybe save that for when your adrenals are a bit stronger. It has a lot of benefits, but right now, this is not the right medicine for you in the right kind of dose, right? 
So we talk about those things. And then we also focus on some of the nutrients that are depleted when you are stressed out. So B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, electrolytes. These are very foundational things that most of us should be getting when we've been under stress for a lot of times. And that can shift our body very quickly into that thriving state, as well as mitochondrial support, because that's oftentimes going to be, um, our mitochondria are oftentimes going to be really impacted when we're stressed out. And so I focus on that blood sugar balancing um, and sending these like micro safety signals from a nutrition standpoint. And then I also focus on them with what are the things, what are your daily habits look like in your life? Are you, um, do you have like negative self-talk? Are you doing things that you enjoy throughout your day? Because sometimes I find people are tired, not because they do too many things, but because they don't do enough of the things that bring them joy and energy. Right. So we really want yeah, to focus on shifting that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great points because, and those are free, right? Then shifting the negative self-talk, you have to become aware of it. And then you start to talk to yourself differently. Um, I find with a lot of the folks we see, they're like into exercise and it's really hard to say, let's cut the exercise down. In some cases, that's harder than telling people we need to add more. I remember having somebody come to see me ages ago. She says, I'm exhausted. I'm tired of blah, blah, blah. And I want to get my energy back, but also I'm training for a half marathon and I'm, I'm doing this in like six weeks. So I need your help to get me ready for that half marathon. And I'm like, I can't. When I looked at her, her numbers, I'm like, I can't in my good um, faith, good feeling like I'm taking care of you. I need to tell you, this is not the right time. You're too depleted and training for a marathon, half marathon. It's going to deplete you more. And she wasn't happy about that. And, you know, if somebody says to me, stop eating this, stop eating that, stop eating that, start eating this, I'm good. If, if somebody says to me, stop running, I'm like, oh, see, yeah, I'll find somebody else to support me, right? Because it's something that, you know, those of us who are into exercise don't want to hear, but it's critical. And I know that one of our, one of my friends who's a, a fitness coach, she did an adrenal test and she said, oh my God, no wonder I'm exhausted. And she looked at what she was doing and she had to cut it down. She had to say, this is what I would recommend to my patients and clients. This is what I have to do for myself. And even if it's hard, we have to give them, we can't just tell them what they want to hear. Yeah, you know? it, it's so true. Um, and the crazy thing though, too, is I've had women that were not eating enough food and they're doing so much exercise and they're overweight. And it's like, you have to convince them, you know, based on where you are right now. So like, you know, if you have flatlined adrenals um, and we're, we're all practitioners, so we can talk about testing, but I also have information in the book that talks about how to tell for patients, like if you, like what state you're in. And part of that is like, if you are having, if you're feeling more tired after your exercise, like right. that's a sign that you're not tolerating that well. Um, you know, let's get your mitochondrial support on board. So part of why you're not exercise, you're not tolerating exercise so much, it could be because you need more mitochondrial support. You need more adrenal support, right? Let's get that dialed in and like running is good for everything, but not if you have a broken leg. Right. Um, and same, right. same thing exactly. goes, if you have an impaired stress response, like that positive stressor of running or the cold plunge or the fasting and all of these little things that are 
tolerated by people with like, you know, maybe too much cortisol or not, um, or in a healthy cortisol state, like you're going to be feeling worse after them. So let's make a list of the things that make you feel better, the things that make you feel worse. And we're going to focus on getting you to be like super energized and full of vitality. And then you can do all the things, right? And then you can do those things, you know, and the, and the key for me is hearing people say, I go out for a run or a walk or a bike ride or whatever aerobic type exercise. And I can only do it twice a week because I need three days in between to recover. Clue! <laughs> you can still do aerobic exercise, but you have to do it within your capacity. Maybe, you know, a half a mile walk at a slow pace is going to be fine for you, but a five mile run at, you know, race pace is totally not what you should be doing right now. My, my rule of thumb, and I talk about this in the book, is you should be able to do this exercise like back to back twice, right? So if you like, are so exhausted after your walk, Probably that walk was yeah. too intense for you. And for it some people, much. even walking can be too intense. And so we really, can be, right? we really want to build up your energy levels before I tell you to do more exercise, before I tell you to quit the coffee, right? Um, so let's, let's build that vitality up. And that's going to be really nourishing yourself, really being kind to yourself, supporting your mitochondria, supporting your circadian rhythm, um, doing maybe some adrenal adaptogens, as well as um, finding a way if you have a thyroid issue, I, I typically will recommend myo inositol, perhaps with some selenium to reduce some of that oxidative stress coming from your thyroid to reduce some of that, you know, danger signal that's coming from inside of your body. Right. Cool part about myo inositol is that also it's used a lot in PCOS. So it's you it's good for balancing that blood sugar, that adrenal, that insulin uh, glucose cycle. So that can be, you know, it's like a double, double, uh, benefit there. It, That's cool. It works on so many things. And one of, one of the goals in my book is like my, I didn't want to turn people into, um, my brother says pillbow baggins where somebody takes so many pills, right? Like where they're just like have bags and bags of pills where I wanted to just find a few key supplements that had a right. lot of various benefits. So myo inositol helps with blood sugar balance. It helps to reduce anxiety it helps to promote sleep. It helps with PCOS and blood sugar balance. And it also helps with normalizing TSH and thyroid antibodies in people with Hashimoto's. So I was like, okay, this one, you know, you're getting five to six supplements in just one supplement when you utilize that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And using them in a way that is not, I like to use things in powders and liquids and stuff where they can just throw it into a smoothie or throw everything into a drink so that they don't feel like I hate personally taking pills. So if I have to take a bunch of pills, I'm like, like my B vitamins, I'll make them with powder. I just throw them all together and make a hearty shake. But I do want to get back to mitochondria because you mentioned mitochondria and mitochondria are critical because they make energy and, you know, the B vitamins are important and the C and magnesium and a lot of minerals and amino acids. So those are important there. But the thing about the mitochondria is that they shut down and slow down when they're in a state of toxic exposure. Could you kind of comment on that a little bit? Because this all ties together, right? You said reducing the danger response and the cell danger response when we're toxic is going to, the uh, mitochondria is like, I'm not giving you more energy. Like I need to use this. We need to heal first, get rid of this toxic stuff. 
So the mitochondria are very sensitive little creatures and they're so tuned into our environment. And so things like nutrient deficiencies can be, um, can be problematic for mitochondrial health. And then there's toxins. So H. pylori is a common infection seen in people with Hashimoto's. That's a mitochondrial toxin. Ammonia toxicity, which is something that I um, talk about in the book, can be a toxin to the mitochondria. Mold toxicity, um, various, you know, I I've, have a research document of all the ways that the mitochondria can be impacted. And so the way that I focus on shifting that is utilizing ways to strengthen the mitochondria and trying to suppress some of the toxic exposures. So the, um, the, the toxic exposures, I'm utilizing sarcomyces boulardii that naturally helps to clear H. pylori out of the body, naturally helps to clear mold out of the body as well, um, as well as ammonia. So ammonia can get cleared out by sarcomyces boulardii. So um, I also have magnesium to support healthy ammonia levels. And I also have um, carnitine that supports mitochondrial health and that supports getting rid of ammonia. What I've kind of seen is people with brain fog, they oftentimes, you know, if they're brain fogged, if they're constipated, um, they're not tolerating their proteins correctly. That's, that's kind of a pattern I've seen in some people with thyroid issues and adrenal issues, then supporting their, um, you know, healthy bowel movements every day is going to help get rid of those circulating toxins. So we're not damaging our mitochondria so much. Um, and reducing some of that internal toxic load is going to be super, super helpful. And then, then also um, I use carnitine. That's been extremely helpful. I feel like this is probably one of the bigger game-changing supplements for people with brain fog. I do use L-carnitine combined with acetyl-L-carnitine. So L-carnitine is supportive of muscles. People typically will have like some muscle wasting and exercise intolerance and the carnitine kind of brings that back. Um, helps support their blood sugar levels as well. Um, it was studied in thyroid fatigue. Um, and so it's been shown to be very helpful for thyroid fatigue. I, I, I see it really beneficial in brain fog. And then D-ribose is another thing that's part of the protocol. And, and I have a powder that has like vitamin C, electrolytes, and D-ribose. It's all mixed in there. So somebody can just add that to a little bit of um, orange juice or water and just get that into their system. The D-ribose is another kind of nutrient that helps us recover and helps our mitochondria recover. So those people that are doing like a lot of exercise and they're finding their recovery time needs to be two to three days, utilizing that, they'll be able to shorten some of that recovery time. Um, and even people who don't exercise, I often say like, when you have adrenal fatigue, everything feels like an athletic endeavor, right? Like just walking around your house, <laughs> walking around the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so taking some D-ribose has been really helpful. And then I focus on adaptogens that also have some um, benefits for, for mitochondrial health. So like rhodiola and ashwagandha are two particular ones that I really like for that. And then, then the whole circadian rhythm balance, making sure you're sleeping well at night. Melatonin is incredibly helpful for restoring mitochondrial health. Great. And you said, you know, because this whole thing came up with you being nursing, are those adaptogens, are those ones that you use? So for someone who's listening who might be pregnant or nursing, you know, can you use ashwagandha? Because there's, you know, I, I'm not an expert in every single herb and whether it can be used in pregnancy and nursing. Not in pregnancy. So you don't want to use adaptogens in pregnancy. Um, 
in postpartum and I, I have a, you know, I have like what to do if you're in perimenopause, what to do if you're postpartum and kind of the main protocol is for the, the average person that's not, you know, in that. But, right, exactly. But um, so I might recommend like an adaptogenic blend for the average person where you're taking four to five adaptogens in one kind of product, right? One, one pill. Um, but for, for people that are more sensitive or they're nursing, maybe you just do one and you do something like holy basil in a tea form because that has um, galactagogue properties. Um, and you always want to check with like a lactation consultant or midwife with that. But generally, their nursing moms can use some adaptogens, um, not as many as the average person, right? So maybe just do, focus on one and to, to help yourself through that process. But all of the other lifestyle changes, you can utilize the, most of the vitamins and nutrients are safe. Um, don't want to go above 50 milligrams of B6 or P5P because that can suppress some prolactin levels. Um, but otherwise a lot of the, you know, electrolytes and magnesium, um, carnitine has been shown to be, um, helpful in, um, that, you know, I would definitely check with somebody's doctor, pediatrician and all and everything, but usually that is something that is, can be deficient in the postpartum period. And some prenatal vitamins are actually, some of the more innovative ones are actually utilizing carnitine. You seeing it? Great. Great. Were there particular ones that you used? during your treatment of your fatigue and postpartum nursing? Were there particular ones that you found to be the most effective I, for you? Yeah, I focused on um, a lot of lifestyle changes. So I focused a lot of bright light therapy, a lot of boosting oxytocin. And then um, holy basil was what I utilized. And I just used that as a tea form. And that was incredibly helpful for me. Um, and then I focused on restoring like my vitamin C levels and I, I was um, utilizing some carnitine. I found that to be very helpful as well. And some um, riboflavin was helpful too. So that's B2. B2, great. We have been talking to Dr. Isabella Wentz, and this is her brand new book. Uh, we'll have all this in the show notes so you can go and get it at Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever your favorite booksellers are. And I personally have a nice little, you know, personal note and all that. So I'm so excited and I can't wait to dig in. Um, we're listening, you know, health practitioners listening in if you would like to leave them with any parting words for working with people who have this, you know, this, we're in survival, right? And, and most people in the world right now are, right? It's been a stressful time in, in history the last few years, and it doesn't seem to be getting much better. So people are constantly running like the, the tigers chasing 24 seven. And what kind of um, suggestions can you leave our practitioners with to support these people as best they can, and also to help people to make the decisions to do it right. And I want to go back to, before I do that, I want to go back to that, what you said about coffee. I'm an anti-coffee person. I don't like coffee. I don't like what it does to people. I don't like the addiction properties. But when somebody is in this state, a flatline, 
that's not something they're going to say, Can you, are you going to take away my coffee? No. I mean, eventually, you know, for long term, but right now you need it. <laughs> Stay with it. Maybe we'll try to swap it out for a chaga, chocolate chaga kind of thing over time. But for right now, we just need you to be able to open your eyes at the beginning of the day. So I just wanted to share that I'm in alignment with that. But yeah, go ahead and let's just have some parting words and uh it's been great talking to you. So great talking with you as well. And yeah, and I totally agree. Coffee can sabotage sleep. It can do a lot of the things, but I think the thing we need to remember as practitioners is to meet people where they are and try to support them in the best way that we can. And maybe right now they're not ready to like let go of the, and, and this is tea, but they're <laughs> not ready to like let go of, their of that coffee. Um, right. And that's okay. So there's other ways, there's other ways to, send safety signals. There's, you know, I always say there's, there's more than one way to, um, approach things, right. There's more than one way to peel a potato. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So getting some different protocols on board can be very helpful to you and just trying to figure out like what is going to be the least overwhelming for that person and what's going to give them just maybe a little bit more, um, resilience, a little bit more ability to create some space for healing in their lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Because wherever they're at, if you can just move them a little bit further, then they have a little bit more energy and brain power to be able to take the next steps and the next steps. But if you're just like, okay, give me all your coffee, give me your bread now. Okay. Now give me all your sweet. And they're like, uh, I don't think this is worth it. Right. We have to meet them where they're at and show them that their choices make a difference. Every single choice we make every moment of every day makes a difference in how we think, how we feel, how we live our lives and how successful we are. And especially if you are in that postpartum where you're feeling like, oh, well, this kid just believes sleep. Where did you read three months that, you know, none of mine, neither of mine um, uh, started sleeping at three months. Three years is when both of mine started sleeping through the night. I feel like that's about yeah. right. I think that should be a more accurate, I guess, um, way to set people yeah. up. Because I was like, oh, my gosh, it's been three. I'm like just waiting to almost three it's months. Like magically. It's almost. Right? Yeah. Magically, he's going to start sleeping through the night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. We've been talking to Dr. Isabella Wentz, author of the new book, The Adrenal Transformation Protocol. So pick up a copy, keep it on your shelf. I'm going to stick it over here with my books that I reference a lot. And um, keep in mind, you know, we as practitioners, we have the power to influence people's behaviors, to help them to make the steps and to go at their pace. Because if you go too fast, they're going to lose it. And we have the power to teach them the things that, you know, Western medicine and pharma pharmacology don't have. We have the power of helping them to use their diet, their lifestyle, the supplementation, nutrient balance, removing toxins, and all the important stuff. So I thank you guys for being here. Download our adrenal. We have an adrenal little booklet that has some checklists and some herbs and things like that. It's at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash adrenal. And um, until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to Reinvent Healthcare. We are part of the movement to change healthcare for the better. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review. And for more resources to support you in growing a thriving and fulfilling practice, visit our website at inemethod.com.